we're going to look again on healthy thinking. We've been talking about our perspective and God's perspective now for a number of weeks. Last week, we looked at what, uh, how we think about affects our brains positively and negatively. And we showed you how even the picture of a brain, when they meditate on negative memories, what it made is black hole type spot in their, in their brain. And how when you think about good things and godly things and how God loves you and, and things like that has a, also a positive impact on your body. And not just on your body, but it affects every cell in your body. When you think negatively or positively, it, thinks it affects every cell in your body, including your heart and everything else. So if you didn't hear that message, you can hear it through uh, SoundCloud or iTunes. You can get a copy at the back as well. But health, how, we, how we think affects our health. It affects our decisions. It affects our genes. This is what I covered last week, just a quick summary. It affects our DNA. It affects our brains, our words, our chemical balance, and the helper T cells that are released to your body that helps keep you healthy. It affects our relationships. It affects our eternal peace versus anxiety, stress, and fear, and it affects every area of our lives. So healthy thinking leads to healthy bodies, healthy decisions, healthy genes, healthy DNA, healthy brains, healthy words, healthy chemical balance, healthy relationships, internal peace, and healthy lives. So when the Bible talks about as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. God actually meant that. It wasn't a, a simile. It wasn't like a, he really meant what he said. So this is why when the Lord instructs us in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So we're not called just to think about them. We are called to meditate on these things. And as you meditate on those things, it creates healthy triggers in your mind, and your mind is able to discern good thoughts from bad thoughts and which ones need to be cast down. Okay? So we know we're supposed to take captive every thought, and we know that we have the power to pull down these strongholds in our mind. We know that uh, by doing so, we will be transformed will be transformed by renewing our mind, right? Romans 12, 2. But how do we do that? I mentioned that last week, and I said I'll tell you next week. So that's today. So how do we take captive every thought, and how do we make them obedient to Christ? So how do you get a thought in your mind, off your mind, and onto something else? It sounds really easy, and it is in some ways, but you can't do it by accident. This isn't just, just, this isn't just something that just happens. You have to be disciplined in what you allow yourself to think about. Okay, this isn't going to happen by the sovereignty of God. It isn't going to just happen one day because you had a prayer experience. You are going to have to actually discipline yourself to think on some things and not think on other things. And as you discipline yourself to do that, it affects your body. It affects your health. Okay, so this morning I'm going to show you multiple ways of how to cast down those thoughts and also multiple type of thoughts that need to be cast down that aren't obedient to Christ. Okay, Dr. Ed Smith, he is uh, one who... Uh, started Theophostic Ministries, also the one who created the Sozo tool presenting Jesus. Dr. Ed Smith said, what I feel at any given moment indicates what I truly believe at the experiential level. Okay? What I feel at any given moment indicates what I truly believe at the experiential level. So when you think you believe something, and, and, but what you truly believe deep down internally is something different, there's an emotional conflict. There's some conflict going on in your mind and in your body. Okay, Dr. Cameron Leaf said that if you, if you are presented with all the reason, logic, scientific evidence, and just plain common sense in the world, but you won't believe something is true, 
lifts your brain's limbic system. The central location of your emotions allows you to feel that it is true. So when you feel something is true versus what's actually true, if those aren't uh, connected, there's going to be a disconnect in your heart, a disconnect in your mind. We see this all the time in Sozo. Do you, you want this to be true, or do you believe this is true, or do you feel this is true? They have this lie they believe since they're a young child. And then uh, we renounce that lie, and we ask God, what is the truth? And God tells them, I love you, you're my child, or something like that. And then you say to them, does that feel true, or does that, you know that's true? I'm like, I hope it's true. But we have to get past the hoping and to, uh, no, I believe God really did speak that to me. And it moves from here into your heart where you actually really believe it. So uh, she went on to say, so you can't imagine and feel, which will change your brain structurally one way and speak something differently. Because if you do, there will be a lack of integrity operating in your brain, which will leave you leave an overwhelming feeling of being out of control. So God's telling you one thing. You're telling people, I believe this, brother. I believe this, pastor. But when you're over here, you're saying, I believe this. There's a definite disconnect there, and you don't know what you believe, and you're going to be left in feeling out of control and emotional turmoil. Right? That's the state of most of the church, I just my opinion. I mean, honestly, they don't really know what they believe. They can tell you the facts. They can say, oh, yeah, well, you know, Jesus died on the cross. But the facts and what you believe in here are not the same. It's experiential what you get in here. When you, when you get it into here that Jesus died for you, that's now going to change your life. That reality will alter your life. Amen? So this... Internal turmoil happens all the time. So what you think you believe and what you truly believe on an experiential level could be in conflict. And if they are, those are the type of thoughts you need to cast down to make them obedient to Christ so you're not almost like two different people, but you become one. Like, I believe what I actually have said, like Romans talks about. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, then you also have to believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's your, your confession and your, what you believe actually coming together as one. Okay, now that might sound like a strange disconnect, but I'm telling you, that is so common today. Um, when, you get, when you get these mixed emotions, these mixed, what you think you believe and what you feel is true, conflicting, it's going to strip all kinds of emotions in your life. Okay, and emotions aren't supposed to lead you anywhere but to Christ. Okay, they're not supposed to, di- uh, to throw them away. They're, they're pointing at something. They're pointing at something that you believe. Okay, your emotions... You trigger, get triggered by something. They're an indicator by God. They're from God. They're not just something that's there. You have been given by God, and they're an indicator. Ding, 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 ding. Flashing light, like what you believe. And when you say, I believe this, but your emotions are doing the flashing thing, there's a conflict. It's what you really believe is your emotional level is, is that versus what you know is true. And you have to take time to change that. Let me give you an example from a marriage. The thought comes, I wonder, uh, the, uh, one of the spouse Members went to the, out to the store. So I wonder where they are now, what they're doing right now. Oh, yeah, they went to the store. Then the thought comes, they've lied to me before. Maybe they're not at the store. Maybe they're somewhere else. Maybe they're with someone else. Uh, maybe there was somebody more attractive than me. And your mind and your emotions get all worked up, even though you're at home in a nice warm chair, a nice warm house, because your mind's somewhere else. It's like you're somewhere else. And you're all worked up and you're all stirred up all the time. The spouse is there walking through the Walmart, trying not to bump into people and throwing cans of stuff in the cart. But your mind's going like, oh my gosh. And you're having this panic attack because something you believe versus something you know aren't the same. And that person could have had a track record that was, that was bad or not, but you still need to cast those thoughts down. Those are vain imaginations. So the spouse comes home, where have you been? Well, I was at the store, like I told you. 
It doesn't take that long to get to the store and you get into this big fight. It all started from speculations and imaginations that weren't even real. Well, I was delayed because I bumped into Joe and he started telling me what happened at church on Sunday and blah, 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 blah. And oh, oh, oh. And then it takes the person all this time to calm themselves down because they didn't discipline their mind to take captive those thoughts. You have to do that. Whether you're married or your kids are out driving around town or something, oh my gosh, there's snow and no, oh, they're going to die. And no, you've you got to take captive every thought. It's going to affect your health. It's going to affect your words. It's going to affect when they walk in there, where have you been? I said 10 o'clock and it's 10.05. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, you have to do it, all right? So these are the kind of thoughts we need to cast down. And uh, these imaginations, these speculations that exalt themselves against God saying, they're safe. And even if your spouse is doing something, God forbid, they shouldn't be, you don't need to meditate on that. You don't need to dwell on that. You don't need to let that get in there. When the time comes, the truth will be revealed. Be sure your sins will find, find you out, and you can deal with it with God's help as it comes. But you don't need to go down that path of torment. Amen? Because you're going to definitely ruin the trust level in that home. So when you're dealing with these emotional issues, it's good to know that your, emotion, your emotions are pointing to something. They're not just floating there. They're there for a reason. And when you're experiencing negative emotions, they are trying to tell you there is something that you believe, at least on the experiential level, that is scaring you or that you are uncomfortable with. You feel out of control, like you're, you're scared, okay? The emotion is a sign that you need to properly process what is going on with these emotions with, and what these emotions are connected to. So when you're taking, casting down thoughts, you also have to take into consideration the emotion that's connected with that thought, okay? So... Um, Again, we see this all the time in Sozo ministry, and it also helps them renounce these lies and what, ask God what is the truth. So now it's easy to pick up random emotions and not even know if these emotions are yours or someone else's and not even know where they came from. You woke up, you're feeling this way, then you did this, 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 and this, and by the time lunchtime comes, you feel all weird. Like, why am I feeling that? That was funny. I woke up happy. I woke up in a good mood. What happened? Well, you went through life is what happened. And every person you walk by, every person you went through, is projecting something, okay? You are projecting something. I don't know if you know that. You are projecting a vibe, if you will. And uh, your, your belief and your attitude and your emotion connected, to, uh, your belief and your emotion connected together forms an attitude. And you project that attitude. We all do. You might not be aware of what kind of attitude you're projecting, but people around you are. That's why people say, what's wrong with you? They're like... What's going on? What's wrong? And you're like, maybe I haven't even said a word yet. Nothing. Nothing's wrong with me. And like, okay, well, your body language and your vibe here is not convincing me that something's not right with you, right? If everyone in here has felt, gone through that, right? You are projecting a vibe, but do you know what kind of vibe you're projecting? It's kind of like you're on an airplane, right? And uh, you're sitting by somebody you don't want to sit beside because you don't know who they are, and you, but you're stuck there for who knows how long the flight is. And they instantly start putting on the headphones and they getting their stuff all set up to watch movies or whatever. And you start talking to them. Well, they're giving off a vibe of, leave me alone. I want to sleep. I don't know you. I don't want to talk about I want to talk to you. I don't know you. But if you're really dense, you're not going to pick up on that vibe. And you're going to start talking to them. You know, hey, 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 where are you from? Oh, yeah, oh what, what do you do for a living? Oh, what, what's, your, what's your job? Oh, oh, that's great. That's great. Do you know so-and-so from Canada? Oh, because I live in BC and I live in East. Well, yeah, because there's only two Canadians in all of Canada, so yeah, I definitely would. I definitely would know them. Anyway, that's a common thing I get. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so uh, if you don't pick up on their vibe, they're gonna. And you can try this yourself. You'll find out. They'll say, "Would you please just let me read? 
I'm sorry, I've had a long week, I don't want to talk, I just want to read my stuff. That's not a fun thing to have happen, but you can try that. But each of us are, are giving some kind of vibe off at all the time. And people are picking up on it. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Don't smile at me. I don't like you. I don't want to be near you. You walk through the grocery store, the mall, anywhere, it's, everyone is projecting something. And what they project is going to determine whether you want to say something nice to them or something not so nice or just totally ignore that they even exist, right? But we can't, this is a side note on this, but if you can look past the mess and you can see the gold in them, like Jesus did with a woman at the well, and don't let the vibe determine if you're going to say something to them. Don't let the face or the countenance determine if you're going to be friendly to them. If you can look past the mess and look at the heart, you can still love that person and not be afraid of what they're going to do that's going to hurt you. It could be just reaching something off a shelf for an elderly lady that needs something at a grocery cart, you know? So uh, we, we have this happen in Sozo a lot, as an example. Uh, and someone comes to a Sozo meeting, and they've gone through a rough life. They've had some rough things happening. Sometimes they carry with them hopelessness. So I've already been prayed for by my pastor. I've been prayed for by this guy and that guy, and the world's best, renowned, whatever, and I've been on every kind of medication. They've been, this huge case scenario that, so what you're saying for you is that there's no sense of us meeting tonight because this is hopeless. And they, ca- they carry that on them. They're not aware they're carrying on them, but they carry it on them. It happens quite often, this hopeless thing. And so if we, in the so- and when they project it into the whole room, and it's a spirit, and that spirit wants you to come into agreement with that spirit, and once you do, there's nothing good going to happen in that meeting. It will be hopeless. Nothing real good. But if you, if you connect with the vibe of heaven, you connect with what God is saying, God's reality, what he's projecting to you, like, oh, things are going to change. I don't care who prayed for you before. It, I mean, you don't have to say that, but you can be thinking in here, like, it doesn't matter who. I had that happen in my house tonight, actually. It was kind of fun. This guy came to our house, uh, whatever night it was, Wednesday, I think it was, and he was selling meat in the back, from the back of his truck. I don't know if it was a good idea, but it was FDA approved. <laughs> it's vacuum sealed, so we, we got some. Anyway, he, uh, he was selling meat. Him and there was somewhere from Tennessee, and he, I noticed when he carried in these boxes, he set them down, and his back was like, and he, I could tell he was in pain. He was probably upper 20s, low 30s. And uh, as soon as I'm like, this guy's in my house now, right? I was like, this guy's in my house. He's not leaving here without prayer. I don't care what he believes. He's praying to Buddha. He's an atheist. I don't care. He wants a sale. He's going to let me pray for his back. So um, anyway, so I said, what happened to your back? And he said uh, he heard it actually carrying his wife. His wife was injured, and he was helping carry her somewhere. And he twisted it in a way, and it just really was hurting him. So uh, I started to pray. I said, asked him if I could pray for him. I started to pray for him, and he was not expecting anything to happen, right? <laughs> uh, I, said, I, I said, I know you're not expecting anything to happen, because after I prayed the first time, nothing did happen. And uh, he's, he's like, oh, thank you for praying for me. I was like, well, listen, I'm not done yet. <laughs> and I was like, I know you're not expecting anything to happen, but I am. I've seen this a lot, and mostly, Max, more than anything. And so this might be new to you, but it's not for me. So we're going to, if you're okay, don't worry. The sale's done. We're going to buy the meat, okay? Just, but let's focus on your back. So uh, Holly and I started praying for him some more, and uh, the guy started freaking out. He goes, okay, what are you doing to me? Like, what do you mean? He goes, well, why is my hand shaking like this? <laughs> His hand started shaking like this. And he goes, and it feels like, it feels like my feet are like floating off the ground, like I'm not touching the floor anymore. And my head feels like I'm spinning, almost like I'm dizzy. I'm like, oh, well, I think that's God touching you. <laughs> and uh, he goes, I need to sit down. The guy was totally freaking out. It was pretty awesome. So he sits down. And I asked him, his back went, pain went down from a, a 7 down to a 5. And I think it went further down after that, too. But even when he left, he, he gave Holly and I a big hug and stuff. And I don't remember how I got on this story now. But, <laughs> but uh, 
oh yeah, shifting atmospheres. You could partner with his attitude of, I've gone to the doctor, I've, I've done what, everything I know to do, this is just the way my life is, it's going to be this way no matter what. Or you could partner with what God's saying, and this is an attitude that needs to be cast down. You don't have to say it in front of them. You just, like, I'm not partnering with that. So you choose not to partner with that. And by not partnering with that, you're shifting the atmosphere in your heart. You don't have to partner with that vibe. You partner with God's vibe. Okay, Jesus is in a good mood. So he wants to touch this guy, whether he likes it right or not. Here we come. <laughs> and I got like, so that was, that was pretty hilarious. Um, also, another healing testimony, just a side note. Uh, Lauren had piano lessons uh, Wednesday, and her teacher, I wish uh, Gracie was here, but her teacher uh, in Spruce Pine, um, she was having trouble with her eyes, and she had lost 50% of her vision. They thought she might have had a tumor behind her eyes that were putting pressure on her. She had lost uh, color. Everything was looking almost black and white. And so Lauren and her are close, and Lauren loves uh, spending time with this, her teacher. And uh, Lauren and Holly were there, and Lauren's like, I'd like to pray for your healing. And, uh, and the lady's like, okay, I'd like that, Lauren. And Lauren's, Lauren's like, you can sit down if you want to. <laughs> She's like directing her, you know, and stuff. And she starts praying for her, and she was totally healed. All the color came back, all the pain, all the, the 50% loss of, in her vision, it all came back on the spot. The lady started crying. She goes, I had to call my mother. I had to call my sister who wasn't there. She had been, Lauren's meeting had to be canceled the week before because of an appointment. And uh, guys, we carry the presence of God. We carry God. And we get to release his presence, his attitude, everywhere we go if we stay in connection. We say, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, and I can ask whatever you want. And hey, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Amen. That should give us some confidence. So uh, those are some types of thoughts you need to cast down. Imaginations, speculations, vibes, if you will. If they're not in agreement with God, you've got to cast them down. So now I'm going to move into how do you do that. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, it is casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Okay, A thought plus an attached emotion equals an attitude. And it influences everything we do and say. So once you recognize this thought or this attitude that you're carrying, you're not called to cast down other people's thoughts and attitudes. Okay, You try to do that, you're going to have a rough life. You are called and be responsible for your attitude. Amen? Your attitude. That's what you're supposed to control is you. You are responsible for you. That might be a newsflash, ding, 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 uh, to like everybody in here, even in the millennials and different ones too. Like, uh, you're responsible for you. There's no free handouts here, okay? There's no government freebies. <laughs> you have to do it yourself, amen? And that's another whole sermon, but I've got to move on. Uh, but once you recognize that thought, that truth is not the reality of God, you have to cast that thought down. You put it into a prison, and you make it obedient to Christ. So how do you do that? So this is what I do sometimes. I just, you, can, you know, your imagination is powerful. Uh, we talked about that, mentioned it last week. When you imagine something and visualize it, it's in your brain it's as if it actually happened, like the gun scenario. So in my mind, sometimes I have this thought that's going on in there, and I don't like it. So I like do this like like a crane thing, like beep 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 beep, and I like pull it like out of my head, and like and I like like lift it when I'm alone. I do this. I don't do it in, in the mall or anything, but I don't always make the beep noises either. But I sometimes literally go like this to my head, and I lift it up, and I put it down in this prison that's over here, and I put the lid back on, it, and you're going to stay there, and I'm not letting you out. And, I, and then later it tries to come back, like no, I put you there, you're staying there. Uh, you can also um, make it, you can use your imagination. You can make that thought explode. 
put some dynamite on that thing, make that thing explode into a puff of, sm puff of smoke. It's nothing. Why don't you minimize in this negative thought and maximizing the thoughts of Christ, okay? You can use your imagination, dig a hole, and you're putting that bad thought in there, and you're burying it over with cow manure or whatever you want to put on there for fertilizer, and let that thing stay down there. Well, maybe not fertilizer, you don't want it to grow, but uh, what's, that, what's that bug spray, we, the weed spray? <laughs> Roundup, yeah, put some Roundup on there. <laughs> It puts, causes cancer or something, it won't matter to your negative thoughts, right? So, um, all right, so it really doesn't matter uh, what the prison is, what the imaginary prison is, you can make it whatever you want to do. It's your mind, your imagination. And your imagination is powerful. You just know it, it shouldn't be in your brain. It shouldn't be in your mind. It should be somewhere else, okay? So, um, doing these types of things, they actually help create triggers in your brain to help you filter through negative thoughts and, and, negative thoughts and good thoughts, okay? It makes positive triggers. So um, if you're not sure what that is, you can ask the Holy Spirit. Uh, another way you can cast these thoughts down is by singing, okay? You can sing. When you sing, it changes from one side of your brain to the other side of the brain. It actually transforms things. So uh, when you ever have like a, a persistent nagging thought that just keeps coming to you, and it's, it's really, you can feel it affecting your emotion. Like, why do I keep thinking about this? I don't want to think about this. This is stupid. Why does it keep coming? Well, I, I was battling that before, and I just started making up my own song, and I just like, I don't have to think about these things. I can choose to bring an offering. And I just started making up my own words to go with it. It was different every time. I, one time I was like, gosh, I wish I'd wrote that down. That could have been a good song. But I couldn't remember. I could only remember the first line. But you can you just remember that you can sing it instantly. That tormenting emotion, feeling, thought was gone instantly. I was like, no, I don't, ha I don't have to think about that thing. And you just make up your own words. I can choose to give them the benefit of the doubt. I can choose to focus on Jesus. I can choose. You make up this song. And it actually does, it actually brings relief instantly. I mean, instantly. I can't think of something happening quicker than that. Uh, all right? So the left side of your brain deals with logic, reasoning, science, and math. And that's where those thoughts and those speculations try to develop in. But when the right side of your brain handles art and creativity and music and things like that, so when you, when you start singing, it switches from the logic and reasoning side of your brain over to the uh, creative side of your brain, and it's, it just goes, disappears. Holly actually does this with her kindergarten class. It's, it's kind of funny when she was telling me about it. She deals with kindergarten kids, which, God bless her, not for me. Just saying, not for me. <laughs> I could not do that all day. Wow, you have to be a special kind of person to deal with that. Not just the snotty noses and stuff, but like the, the kids. There's a lot of them. Anyway, but uh, sometimes they're, uh, they, they get distracted. You know, they're not paying attention, not following instructions of what she's wanting to do in class. And they're just kind of like, oh, look at, the, look at that in the sky, or look at that over there. Just, they're somewhere else, you know? And so what she'll do is she'll start singing a song to them. She'll like, write your name on your paper, put it in the top right corner. Uh -huh. And next thing you know, the kids are like singing a song, write my name on the paper. <laughs> and then they're doing what she's asking them to do. She's actually seen them in, out in the hallway. Uh, and actually another teacher saw it, and Harley's door was open. This kid was out in the hallway walking around, you know, looking at the ceiling and stuff and bugs or whatever, found a, a bug in the corner. And then uh, she hears Holly singing in the classroom. The kid's like, oh, and he starts going back to class, and he starts singing the song on his way back, write my name on my paper. And guys, it's actually, it will work. You can try it, Susie, in your, in your, with your kids there, and, and you too, Mitzi. Uh, but uh, it can shift your thoughts over from here over to there, Okay. This might not sound like the most spiritual message ever, but I'm telling you, this is practical information of how to do something. It, we can, you can hear we're supposed to do it, but no one ever tells you how to do it. Then what good is it? I know I'm supposed to, but you feel lost. You don't know how to do it. So Colossians 3.16 says, 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Guys, that will do something for your heart. Make up your own song. You don't have to publish it. You don't have to get guitar to it or anything. You can just make up your own praise and thanksgiving to heart. Maybe your heart, the grace of God flows in your life, and it just destroys that negative vibe, that negative feeling, emotion attached to those thoughts, and you can cast them down. Amen? Amen. Who's got a song? Let me hear you one. Uh, nobody? Not very enough? Okay, Denmark? <laughs> All right. Practice that, okay? Don't just hear it. I know I'm trying to make it funny, but actually you do that, you'll experience freedom. So I'm going to summarize this first part, then I'm going to share, you a, share with you a 21-day detox that Dr. Carolyn Leaf teaches in that book I brought last week. I'm going to summarize it for you, give you the cliff notes. You don't have to buy it after I share this with you, but you still can. We support her, but um, summarize the first part. What you think and believe, what you truly believe on an experiential level, could be in conflict. That's something that's important to know. What you say you believe and what you feel you believe aren't always the same. This creates emotional turmoil and confusion. These types of thoughts need to be cast down and brought into the truth of God, okay? You can also pick up on someone else's projected attitude or vibe, and this also needs to be cast down, all right? We, can, uh, we cast down negative thoughts by, by the crane, by an explosion, a puff of smoke, digging a hole, whatever way you want, a creative way you want to do it, strap a stick of dynamite on that thing, Tie it to a goat or a dog and smack it and let it run down. I mean, whatever, whatever you want to do, get rid of that thought, right? Introduce a new thought like a scripture, a creative song, Holy Spirit inspiration, and get that thing planted into your heart and water that thought. Uh, fertilize that thought, and it will develop in your life until that becomes your, your first narrow transmitter path to go to that. Like the least path resistance now becomes this. I now think I need to go to here instead of over to this dark place, Okay. All right, 21-day detox. Dr. Karen Lee's book, uh, in her book, Switch on Your Brain, shares 21-day detox plan. She says if you can follow her five-step plan for seven to ten minutes a day, it will transform your life. Seven to ten minutes, okay? She has many testimonies from autistic children, senior citizens uh, that were uh, sharpened their memories to the point that in their 80s, they changed careers and obtained degrees. Hallelujah, right? Not just Moses, right? Okay, he started at 80. Young men and women who grew up in extreme poverty become uh, community leaders. Car accident victims who have been written off by neurologists as vegetables retrain their brains to the point that they are completing their schooling even up to the college level and go on to become successful contributing citizens. Students labeled with learning disabilities with years of therapy and no hope left master learning and achieve grades that uh, they and their parents only dreamed of. Schools that are in the worst parts of, uh, of Africa in which students could not move on to the next level become schools on the ministers of education's most improved list. Children with dyslexia learn to read and write and even help their parents study for exams. That's pretty awesome. Entire schools improve grades across, one, across core subjects, and the list goes on and on and on just by retraining the way that we think. Your brain is a super powerful, amazing organ, and it was created in the image of God. Amen? So retraining our brain uh, is an important thing. So step one, seven, this is seven to ten minutes a day. Step one is gather the information. Gather your thoughts together. These negative thoughts, gather them together. All right? You need to, in, step, you, in this step, you are developing awareness of the rogue thoughts that need to be brought into captivity. 
what thoughts are bubbling up in your conscious mind. Focus in and see how many there are. Your thoughts have an emotional component or what you also feel. That means you bring a thought into a consciousness, you also bring with it the attached emotion. For example, have you ever heard someone retell a story from like 20 years ago? And when they retell it, all this emotion is stirred back up and as if it was happening right then. It could be a good story, a funny story, or a sad story. And that emotion is still attached to that memory. So that memory could be a trigger, but you could also be triggered through your five senses, through, through smells could trigger something positively or negatively. Let's say uh, you smell diesel fuel and instantly you're brought back to a memory with your grandfather in the shop, and, in the, and you just have this memory of things you guys used to do together in the garage, or you, uh, you have some apple pie, and it makes you think of your mother or your grandmother, time you spent with them. It's a, it's a brain trigger that's triggering a memory from an outward sense. Or you hear a song you haven't heard since high school, and instantly you're brought back to high school, and somehow you remember every word, you remember a story that went with that song, and you remember all that stuff. Those are called brain triggers, and those can be positive and negatively, negative, and if they're negative, we need to cast them down. If they're positive, and they're okay to keep. Okay? Those are called triggers of the senses, and they need to be dealt with as well. Step one is you gather these thoughts and emotions that are contrary to God's. Step two is called focused reflection. Focused reflection or focused thinking is simply focusing on one thought with its interconnections. Remember the picture of the brain had like branches that were interwoven together? Well, your thoughts really work like that, and it's actually called meditating. In this step, we focus in on focus in to trace these thoughts and emotions to other thoughts and emotions, discover our thought patterns, okay? We have weird thought patterns, don't we? You ever just thought about, how did I get on this thought, okay? Let me give you an example of this. I wrote one down here. Okay, um, so what's your thing with the weather? You're outside, the wind's blowing through your hair. It's a nice sunny day. You're thinking with the weather, man, it's a nice day. And all of a sudden, you're triggered back to a memory of, of uh, you're on the beach somewhere with a, a family member. And then uh, you're thinking of what happened that day, and you're laughing, you're having a good time thinking in your mind, just thinking about that day. And you're thinking, oh, wait, that relative's not alive anymore. Oh, they've, they've, they've gone on to be with the Lord. Then you feel sad. So you went from happy to, oh, yeah, to sad. And then you, then you remember you're at the funeral. And then at the funeral, Uncle Joe said something at the funeral that was really funny. Then you start laughing, and, oh, yeah. And then you, then you think, like, I wonder how Uncle Joe's doing. I hadn't talked to him in a while. Then you feel guilty because you hadn't talked to him for a while. And then you're like, think about, now how in the world did I get thinking about Uncle Joe when you started out by thinking of the weather, right? And, to, and you tr you're trying to retrace back those steps of how you got there. It's actually sometimes quite challenging, but that's what you do in step two. You're, you're, you're learning your thought patterns, your thought process, how you think, the connected thoughts and emotion, and you're just collecting them together, you're gathering that information together, okay? Um, step number three is you write them down, okay? Dr. Leaf said, uh, by writing things down, this allows you to see your conscious and non-conscious thoughts in a visual way. It's like putting your brain on paper. She recommends you get in your own thought journal. Okay, you can put your prayer journal, but you can put a thought journal there. This is actually going to be good for us. Amen? It's only going to be good for you if you do it. I mean, it's a good plan. It's, a good, it's like a diet, right? It's only going to be good if you do it, and if, if, if that diet is any good. But um, She also said don't limit yourself to just writing in straight lines. You don't have to write it like I saw this, and I remember that, and I had this thought, and that thought. You can actually write it in, like, like graphically, just like cluster of thoughts over here, and then a cluster of thoughts over here, and then emotions over here, and draw lines and how they connect, or you can make little graphs. You can make it visual in how your brain actually works. And she said, as Carolyn helps students develop their learning and retention skills, um, she, teaches a, she teaches a method called Metacog. 
And metacog is a way of seeing your thoughts on paper and evaluating the way that you think and what you are thinking about. It is a great way of following your thought patterns so you can detox your thought life. So it's writing things down, putting those thoughts together and processing it. You've probably never processed why you do certain things and why you do it like that. You heard the old story of the Thanksgiving meal where they cooked the, uh, what was it, ham or turkey or something. They always cut the sides off and then the, you know, the, the daughter does it and the granddaughter does it and all the way down for generations like, why do we cut the sides off our, our meat like this and we're wasting all that food? Like, I don't know why we do it. So they asked the mother, well, I don't know why we do it. They asked the grandmother, and then they finally find out, well, that's the only size pan I had, so I had to cut it down to fit in there. <laughs> so we got a tradition passed down to generations, and there wasn't really a purpose for it. It's just the way it was. And in the same way in your brain, we can get into ruts like that, thoughts like that we learn from family, teachers, anybody, and they need to be recognized so you can cast them down. Okay? The next one, step four, and this is called Revisit. In the revisit, you evaluate what you've written down and work on what the healthy new thought you're wanting to, to build is going to be. You're working on solutions and ways to overcome. This is where you evaluate where you have come from and where you're going. You also have the opportunity to think through your reactions again, evaluating the toxicity levels, and reorganizing, redesigning, and retranscribing. Yes, that was definitely Dr. Carolyn Leaf quote there. So um, what she's saying is putting these thoughts down on paper and then figuring out what's, what does God want you to think about instead of this. God gave you some scripture verses. He could give you a positive memory. He could give you a bunch of different ways to do that. But those thoughts need to be taken captive, and it's going to be done intentionally. Okay? And step five, this is called active reach. This is where you put your plan into action. We can't just make a plan. We need to follow through. In this step, uh, the new thoughts moves from wishes that this is true to believing it is true. This step helps you line up your thoughts, imaginations with your confessions, the words coming out of your mouth, and your actions. So is it, like we said, Romans 10, 9, you confess in your mouth, believe in your heart, uh, you'll be saved. You confess, you believe, and then you receive it. It's the same type of thing. You're confessing something's true, and you eventually believe something's true, and then you walk in that reality of that. So let me give you an example in closing. If you're working on to uh, removing the toxic thoughts connected to could have, would have, should have, if only type statements. Your active step, reach step is saying, I will not say this, I'm, I'm putting the past behind me, or visualizing the situation, event, or issue disappearing in a puff of smoke, or quoting a scripture verse that is applicable, or doing something fun like smiling, yawning, or tapping your foot. You can even tap your foot like, I'm not going to think about that. No, like every time you're like, nope. And you can just have a mental trigger, like, you have a bad thought, no, I will not think that of my husband, I'll not think of that of my friend, I'll not think of that of whatever, I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. He's not just accusing you, he's accusing your friends, and your neighbors, and your spouse, and everybody, he's accusing everybody of thoughts, and you sometimes pick up on those radio frequencies, those thoughts that he has, and they have to be cast down. Amen? Or you're going to have unhealthy relationships. So step one was gather. Step two was focused reflection. Step three was write. Step four was revisit. That's where you make your, your action plan. And step five is uh, the active reach, and that's where you actually do your plan. Okay? Now, the other side of this, this might sound like a lot of work. That's a lot of work. But so is the opposite of that, of living in bondage and torment and fear and anxiety and stress and all those things and projecting that on everybody else and not living in freedom that Jesus paid for transformation is on the other side of your effort. 
It's God paid for it, but you have to actually come to agreement with that by your effort and actions. Okay? Amen? So let me summarize this one more time. What you think you believe and what you truly believe on a spiritual level could be in conflict. And most likely it is. Unless you've gone through some emotional healing stuff, most likely it is. This creates emotional turmoil and confusion, and these type of thoughts need to be cast down and healed and redirected to something new. You can also pick up someone else's projected attitude or vibe, walking through a room, walking through the mall, anything. You can also, this needs to be cast down. We can cast down negative thoughts by the crane, by an explosion, pop a smoke, dig in a hole, whatever you want to tie it to the dog, whatever you want to do. Uh, introduction to new thoughts like a scripture, a creative song, or um, Holy Spirit-inspired thought or song, okay? If you guys do these things, guess what the Bible says is going to happen? You're going to be transformed. You will have a transformed life. You will have transformed emotions. You have transformed health. You have transformed everything. Your life will be transformed. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, got one verse for you. You can stand up, and I'll read it, and we'll pray and dismiss you guys. Now, it's a lot of information. You can list it again, or you can read the book and make notes. Um, but these things are important. I mean, everyone in the world would say they want their life to be transformed. There isn't a person on the planet that wouldn't say they want a different life. They want a better this or that or whatever. But God gives you an action plan on how to do that. We should take it seriously. Amen. So Isaiah 26.3 says, He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind, imagination, is steadfast on him because you trust him. He will keep you in perfect peace because you trust him and your thoughts and your mind is fixed on him. Amen? It's just to fix your eyes on Jesus, your thoughts on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Amen? All right, so God, I thank you that we can do this. You have created us in such a way in the very image of God that we can do these things. We can cast down vain imaginations we can think about good things, we can make healthy choices, and we can meditate on who you say we really are. And God, I pray that today will be a new day where we mark it on the calendar that I am going to make an active effort, an active decision to not allow myself to think these thoughts about myself, my family, or my God. I will think in alignment with what God's word says about God, my family, and myself. And what God's word says goes. And everything else is a vain imagination that's trying to set itself up against the knowledge of God. And those thoughts need to go. So I thank you. You've given us power and authority to cast down these vain imaginations and to make a new spiritual stronghold in our mind. It's called the mind of Christ. You said we have it. We've been given the mind of Christ. So I thank you for that. We can think like you. Believe like you, love like you, talk like you, walk like you, speak like you, and encourage those around us. We are little Christs. Christians means little Christ. Christ is in us, and we can act like him. So God, I thank you for this, and I thank you the truth will set us free. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.